Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. I'm going to start today's service with a video. It's just a like a three-minute video. And it's a video I made to introduce uh, a book that I wrote last year. Now, this is not a shameless like promotion for my book. First of all, um, I get no money from my book. You know, <laughs> I don't need you to buy the book. But the reason I want you to watch this is it will introduce the message that I have for today, which is the secret revealed. So let's take a minute and watch the video. I was an exhausted, exasperated lover of Jesus. I was consumed with making sure my life was truly transformed into the perfect Christian, always loving, full of faith, overflowing with joy. But I often felt like a miserable failure. I read mounds of books, studied many Bible translations, prayed endless prayers, and wept rivers of repentant tears, hoping that the secret to transformation would be revealed. I tried constantly to lay down my life, serve others, and die to self in search of the secret that would finally bring me freedom and transformation. Ironically, I had long known the secret to the Christian life explained so beautifully by the scriptures, that Christ is in me and I am in Christ. But I didn't actually know how to live in the reality of this union with Jesus. I knew Jesus wanted to join me in prayer for others, worshiping together, or preaching a message. But I was surprised he wanted to do all of life in union with me. Jesus wanted to splash with me in the glorious ocean created by our loving Father. He wanted to join me as I shared a glass of favorite wine with a favorite friend. He wanted to absorb the burden of a devastating phone call and pierce my depressing darkness with his light within me. But I felt like an actor on a stage. I was getting tired of living behind a masquerade. I didn't know how to abandon self-effort and live in the reality that apart from Jesus, I actually can do nothing, including the transformation of the self I was so desperately working to change. But thanks to the Holy Spirit, I have been wrecked for good and for God. And that is why I wrote this book. I want to share with other weary lovers of Jesus how to live in this incredible union, this oneness with Him. He never leaves. He's right inside of me. When the disappointing outcome hangs heavy or fear and anxiety want to smother me or the pressures of life overwhelm, he is here in me and I in him. And he is in me when I'm sharing a noisy dinner and messy cleanup with family, a quiet walk on a beautiful wintry day, a special time with grandchildren or a moment of prayer with a distressed friend. I do everything in union with Jesus, and he delights in sharing all of life with me. And I discovered Jesus is bigger, better, and more beautiful than I ever imagined. And I invite you to discover this surprising secret to true transformation. 
Amen. So let's just invite the Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and minds. I'm always so grateful. He knows exactly what you need because I don't. Okay? So Holy Spirit, you are such a faithful teacher. I love how you bring us truth. I love how that truth transforms us. But I love most of all how you continue to magnify Jesus, who he is, what he's done, his love for each of us. And I'm thankful today you who number the hair on our head know exactly what each one needs. And you are eager to meet that need. So we welcome you as our teacher in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So encountering this, you know, incredible truth that Jesus Christ has moved inside of me, you know, which is not a unique truth. You know, even if you went to Sunday school, you know, it was let Jesus into your heart, right? <laughs> and in some ways, our familiarity with that truth numbs us. It anesthetizes to the power of what this is all about. And so this has been a lifelong quest for me. And the book was like a culmination of over 40 years of seeking the reality. See, I'm never satisfied with just knowing a spiritual truth. I want it to transform me. Okay. And so, um, I called that book, uh, wrecked for God, not by God. Although you could say that too. Wrecked in the most positive sense. You know, I guess the young people use that word all the time. I discovered meaning, yeah, like totally did a number on me and, subtitled it, The Surprising Secret to True Transformation. And that is that the God of the universe, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has chosen to move inside of us. I mean, it's audacious, really. (laughs) And uh, so I pray that today we just have a fresh awareness of that truth and maybe one step forward to living in the reality of the truth. Because, you know, Jesus tells us very clearly, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I try to do a lot of things apart from Jesus. And please, I hope you don't hear me say or posture myself as an expert here. I'm still learning. I'm grateful for the grace to learn. I really am. Um, And so I'm still learning. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned. I detail a lot of those in the book, but everybody's different. So the bottom line is Jesus said, truly apart from me, you can do nothing or apart from me. That's taken right out of the John 15 text. You actually can't be that fruitful person. As, as Kevin said today, bearing fruit that actually remains. Okay. So I, I've been on this quest. I've spent lots of time and <laughs> a lot of tears, um, a lot of failure. You know, failure is your friend. Now, that's really hard for an Enneagram 3 to say, because I hate failure. <laughs> but the earlier, the sooner we embrace failure to teach us and to know that God's love never fails, we're good. Okay, we can make progress. Now, when I say there's a secret to true transformation. I want to be clear. This is no instantaneous overnight transformation. Okay. You know, our culture leads us to believe such things are possible. No, it's been a long journey, but I've learned 
many lessons, three of the most important, uh, that have totally changed my life in regards to living in this union with Jesus. First of all, he never leaves. And that's an important message, particularly in our culture, because all of us to some degree have experienced abandonment, some more severe than others. And, you know, we're very suspicious of relationships. But Jesus has said, I will never, ever, ever leave you. It might seem like it. (laughs) We might ignore him for a while. He never leaves. Secondly, and we say this over and over, but to experience it is another thing. I think we sensed it in worship today. He always loves us. That love never fails. Again, we're not used to that. In most of our relationships, you know, that love tanks at some point. Okay, whether it's a spouse or a child or a parent. Okay, so he never leaves. He always loves. And the third lesson is, is, is one that is really, really important if you're going to make progress in truly bearing that fruit out of the union with Jesus. And that is this. You have to start with the truth. That union is already accomplished. You see, the blood of Jesus, the finished work of Christ on the cross, sealed the deal. He made it possible so that right now you are a clean, holy, totally ready-to-be-inhabited temple of the living God. See, so much of my frustration, and yours might not be the same, but so much of my frustration was I got heavy into Catholic mystics, which I I love a lot of the things about the uh, Catholicism. I say that unashamedly. Like I, I, John Wimber, years ago, founder of the Vineyard, taught me such an important lesson. God loves the whole church. And the sooner we say yes to that, the sooner we can actually learn. And so I love that. And I, but the the one place where the Catholic mystics and and other early mystics who embraced union with Christ, where they got off was they presented it, uh, for lack of a better word, like a, a ladder you have to climb, okay, levels you have to ascend. And you want to talk about exhaustion. And the worst byproduct of that is it becomes very self-focused instead of savior-focused. It becomes a very self-effort versus spirit-empowered. And so learning how to, (laughs) you know, again, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing, but he already is in me. That union is accomplished. You know, it's like a lot of times I compare it to a wedding or a marriage. You know, Happy and I are married. We've been married over 50 years, actually, so a long time (laughs) by God's grace. But, you know, we've come a long way since that ring was put on my finger and we signed that marriage certificate, okay? So there was a lot to learn about living in union, living together. But I didn't have to wake up every day and say, I'm married to happy, I'm married to happy, I'm married to happy, I'm married to happy. I don't have to wake up every day and go, I'm I'm in union with Jesus. He He's not going to leave me. He's always going to love me, okay? Like, that's settled. Now, you've learned to flourish in that union. You learn to bear fruit in that union. Okay. So I, my, my biggest problem, you know, coming through all of this and don't get upset tech people. You can already tell I'm off script. So, you know, whatever I get done, I'll get done. Otherwise, (laughs) I'll come back another time and finish it. (laughs) 
I've always been consumed with what I call closing the gap. And that what I mean by that is I, I love God's word. I love God's word. And after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I finally could understand God's word. (laughs) I'm still learning God's word. And anybody who says, oh, the Bible's easy to read and easy to understand, then you've actually never picked up a Bible. Because it's not. But you need the Holy Spirit. But I've always loved the word, but I've always been frustrated by what the Bible said I was. This new creation that I'd been made And I'm to bear all of this fruit, you know, to be a joyful, kind, patient, powerful, naturally supernatural disciple, you know, all the different things. Anyway, I was always very frustrated by the gap of that and then the reality of my own life. And again, I'm super grateful for the vineyard because we have a very high value of authenticity. We have a very high value of being honest. Okay, but we don't want to leave us there. You know, it's not like Oprah or Dr. Phil where we're just vomiting all of our authenticity. We want to be transformed. And so that was always, I, for lack of a better term, always was saying, is there a secret? You know, we love secrets. Our culture loves secrets. You know, just you, you Google the word secret and like all these bestsellers come up. And years ago, a woman came to our church and, uh, she was teaching. And she said, okay, I want everybody to take out a piece of paper and I want you to write down what you think is the secret to the Christian life. And so I don't remember exactly what I wrote down. This would have been like in the 80s. So I'm talking a long time ago. And plus, now that I'm in my 70s, I don't always remember everything clearly. But nevertheless, I'm sure, knowing myself, I wrote something like, you know, fasting five out of seven days. You know, praying three hours a day, uh, going to Antarctica, if you ask me, you know, giving away all of my money. I mean, I was in a hyper-religious self-effort mode at that time. And so we all shared our answers. And for everyone, she'd be like, no, 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 that's not the secret. She said, actually, the secret's right here. He's already told us. And uh, it's recorded right here in the scripture by none other than the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is a a voice to listen to. Because if you want to talk about transformation, (laughs) this dude experienced transformation. You know, in, in 2022, we fully know what a terrorist is. So flashback, you know, to the, you know, first century. And you have a terrorist in who he was known as Saul, but... Had his name changed to Paul. You know, he was in ordering the murder of Christians, you know, in the name of God. And this guy was brutal. He encounters Jesus Christ. And you guys know the story. He has a, a very, very powerful transformation. And I'm so glad he then spent most of his letters, which make up about two thirds of the New Testament, you know, telling us this is the secret. You you want to know true transformation? You want to know how you go from a terrorist to like the most prolific lover, powerful man, you know, besides Jesus Christ on the face of the earth? Like, I want to know. Okay, well, good. That's why he wrote, he wrote a letter. Uh, the text that we're going to look at is in Colossians. And what I love about Colossians 
is, it, that was a city, Colossae, that had people just like us. They're distracted. When you read the whole cha- uh, book, there's only four chapters. Like, they're, they're being like swept away into religion. They're being swept away into Gnosticism. They're, they're like, he's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let, let's back up and let's put the focus again on the secret to the Christian life. It's actually a mystery. The word mystery and secret in the Greek is synonymous. He said it's been hidden for generations. Do you know how blessed we are to live in the time that we live now? It's incredible. And so this is what he wrote. Now, uh, I hope it doesn't freak you out that I'm reading from the Passion Translation. I don't really study out of the Passion Translation. The reason I love... uh, the Passion Translation in regards to union with Christ is the translator, Brian Simmons, totally gets union. And so that means when he goes to translate the text and he uses Aramaic and Greek, he is putting it through the lens of we are one with Christ. Christ is living in us. Christ is in me. I am in him. And so this comes out so beautifully and is very, very helpful. Um, so this is Colossians 1.26, and it's going to be up there on the screen. There is a divine mystery, a secret surprise, that has been concealed from the world for generations, but it's now being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people and God wants everyone to know it. We don't have time to take it all apart, but I want to point out, again, a secret surprise was concealed God chose the time in history. He chose Paul to be the one who'd be honored to share. And that's why over 200 and some times in Paul's writings, he uses the terms like in Christ. And, you know, again, depending on the translation that you're using. So, so much here. Again, Holy Spirit, help us. Okay, first of all, let's set something straight. And I know... I'm all about having an awesome worship service. Like, we're we're the vineyard, right? We we want to experience the manifest presence. But sometimes I think, I'll just tell you a story. Last week, not my notes, don't worry, Aaron. Um, Last week, a, a woman came up for prayer at our church. And she said, I just, I'm struggling so much. Like, I'm struggling in my work. I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling... We're, we're renovating a home, and she says, I just keep trying to pull heaven down. I keep trying to pull heaven down into the situation. I want the glory of God to come and be manifest. And I know we use that language a lot. You know, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and I said, stop. That glory already lives in you. Stop trying to pull it down. Instead, tune in to the reality that glory is in you. See, don't, don't be thinking glory is like some woo, mist descending. Glory definitely is the reflection of God. And we are to reflect the image of God. And that's only possible 
when we live in the reality of that union, whereby the fruit of love and joy and peace and goodness and faith is born through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this, this is a God-given desire to, to experience that glory coming forth from us and also upon us. I'm, I'm not against that, so don't, don't hear me say that. That is a God-given desire. And so this is a treasure chest, and it's available for everybody. I love that. You know, it's not just for super spiritual people. You know, people who go to Bible college or seminary or read lots of books. No, it's for everybody. I love that. It's been concealed. It's now revealed. Every believer, everyone who has received the atoning sacrifice and manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is a fit dwelling place. And he has moved right on in. Now, you know, people have long been searching for the secret, again, the secret to life, the secret to the Christian life. And I, I want to just highlight uh, one of those to make my point of the difference between Christ in us and other. I think in like 2006 or something, uh, a book was published called The Secret. Did, did anybody ever read that? I'm uh, Unashamedly, I read it, of course. This is a secret. I'm looking for the secret, right? And they're purported to be based on Scripture. And the whole... Um, secret was nothing uh, more than what's called the law of attraction. And so like, if I'm looking for a spouse, then I need to think and then say, handsome spouse, handsome spouse. No, this this is true. Like, if I want to make a million dollars, then I think and say, million dollars, million dollars. I mean, Obviously, it was a little more complex than that, but it was basically positive thinking and positive confession. And folks, this thing sold millions of copies, translated into like 50 languages, some absurd number. Okay, people are desperate for the secret. We know the secret. We have the secret. We're to be giving the secret away and showing whether that's healing that somebody needs, finances somebody needs, their their life, you know, uh, healed in all sorts of dimensions. We have that and life eternal. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting is there's some biblical principles there. I'm all about positive confession, actually. Changed my life. Changed my raising of five children because I didn't allow negativity in my home. Now, I went a little far on that. Yes, you know, kind of did the blab it, grab it, confess, possess. But, you know, this is what I love about God. He just, just repent, you know, and he gives you a new chance to make it right. This secret that sold millions of copies is all about self-effort. It's self-focus. It's something I have to do. The secret to the Christian life, Savior-focused, Christ in me. Christ in me, the hope of glory right now. Okay, so going back again, picking back up on verse 27, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope. I like that imagery filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. Now, I need to be clear here, because this is where people get tripped up. 
People have left our church over this. It's okay. They, they leave our church for a lot of reasons. Um, they don't like women speaking. You know, they don't, but they, they were upset about this. I'm not saying we become God. Okay, so let's be clear. We are one with Christ. That's not my language. That's the language of scripture. We are in union with Christ. Okay, that's more than just, you know, Jesus is just sort of this little friend walking along. No, he's moved inside. A true transformation has taken place. I have become a brand new creation. I'm not God. You are not God. But we are, the scripture tells us, partakers of the divine nature. Wow. We are partaking of the divine nature. We should look different, act different, live differently, right? And so we want to have that reality. Now, this is second point on that. So we're not God. I mean, hello. <laughs> it's not a newsflash. Um, but we do have God living in us. Now, the faith in which I was raised didn't really embrace this truth. It's not that they, they just didn't talk about it. But the faith in which I was raised wanted everyone to look the same, act the same. I called it Christian clones. You know, and that's pretty popular. It was, you know, in the church. I was raised in a church that we call Amish with cars. So we came out of the Amish faith and we had cars that, you know, <laughs> you can fill in the blank. The, the, the point is so much of religion wants robots. You know, and that's what causes so much angst because we compare and we compete. We're all trying to be. No, no, no. What I love about union with Christ is you stay you, I stay me. You see, that's why Jesus gives us a brand new start, a brand new creation. We can become the person he actually foreordained, Jeremiah 1.5 tells us, before we were in our mother's womb, we get to become that person with all the gifts, the calling, everything. Now that we have him living in us and he gets to, you know, like burn up the stuff today, flush out the stuff today that isn't, you know, is, isn't contributing to that. And so you get to keep your personality. I get to keep my personality, which, you know, Maybe good news to some or bad news to others, but it's, it's good. It's good. We're not all trying to become these religious robots. No, we're not God. You stay you, but you're in union with Christ. You know, this isn't just Paul's teaching. Of all the gospels, John spends quite a bit of time and Jesus detailed very clearly John 14, 15, 16, and 17 in particular. Obviously don't have time to look at much of those, but on the night before he was crucified, he said a very, very important uh, statement. He said, when that day comes, that meant like after, <laughs> they didn't realize what it was going to be, you know, his crucifixion and resurrection. He says, John fourteen twenty. so when that day comes, you will know I am living in the Father and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you. And I know, like, oh yeah, I know that. I've, I've heard that. Oh yeah, okay. Maybe you're not this way, but I know we're all human and we're living in two kingdoms at once and we have an enemy and we continually default to self-help. And we live in a culture that feeds that, okay? <laughs> Number one, selling books are self-help. So learning to live in this union, as 
Jesus went on and said in John 15, 5, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Yes. Now, he's not going anywhere. He's never going to leave you. He loves you. You're, you're no divorce in this union, okay, unless you choose it. <laughs> he, he's not going anywhere. And he longs to bring fruit out of that marriage. Now, when I first heard and really studied union with Christ, which was years ago, and like I said, I was studying a lot of Catholic mystics, but there's other, other good things. But at the time, there, there wasn't that much available, and plus I felt super insecure. Well, number one, I was a woman teacher uh, from the pulpit, preacher. And, I mean, worse, in America, that's still not all that accepted. Um, and so I felt very insecure about that. And I felt very insecure because I don't have, like, a master's in divinity. I have a master's in education from University of Illinois, but that didn't count, right? No, it's... Um, I, so I felt very insecure. And so that's why, personally, I devoured you know, a lot of uh, authors and, and really had lots of conversations. And I mean, I love that, uh, you know, that we can be, we, we can pursue that without, you know, having to pay money to get the degree. But anyway, um, I just, you know, kept learning, kept learning. And in, I think it was 2014, I noticed Christianity Today's book of the year was uh, Paul in Union with Christ. And boy, did that get my attention. And, uh, of course, I bought it right away, but it's like 479 pages or something like that. I didn't read every page. <laughs> has a lot of footnotes. Um, but what was fascinating to me, it's an outstanding book, by the way, um, the author was Dr. Constantine Campbell. And at the time, he was a professor at Deerfield uh, at Trinity. And so I just thought, hey, I'm just going to call him up, ask if I can come and talk to him. <laughs> um, and I did. And it was so encouraging. Of course, he's a total scholar, uh, you know, the whole bit. But he encouraged me with actually the statement that he finished his book with. And that statement was, okay, we've now examined every text, you know, of union with Christ, in Christ, into Christ. You know, he did the whole bit. He said, we've examined every text, all us scholars, you know, us seminarians, now I'm calling for pastors and teachers to mightily extol the practicality of how do we do this? How do we live with God inside of us? You know, when you're changing diapers or stuck behind a computer or navigating snow or, you know, how do we do this? And when he said those words, immediately the Holy Spirit said, that's your assignment. Now, I'm not the only person, obviously, but I took it seriously and then that's what compelled me to like, okay, I'm going to get serious about recording and tuning into. I took, kept a journal for several years every day. How did I live in union with Jesus today? When did I just totally blow it? Again, true transformation takes lots of time and lots of trust, but he's not going anywhere. And he is determined to make us fruitful. So very, very excited. Now, uh, I look. It's 1044. We're done at 11. Right. Okay. I'll just tell this last thing. And we'll be skipping most of the rest of the message. But <laughs> um, I, I, I like 
The first chapter of the book is called An Outright Scandal, An Insight Secret. It's like, scandal? Like, that's a pretty strong word. Well, that actually, uh, those aren't my words. They are the words, actually, of a another theologian. We're going to put his picture up here. Here's Charles. Yep. This is over a hundred years ago, by the way. Um, this was in 1921. Charles Gore, he was Bishop of Oxford. He was an extremely influential um, Anglican bishop and uh, a theologian. But he made this statement, and we'll, we'll put it up there. Theology's failure to unite Christ for us with the Christ in us is nothing less than an outright scandal. Why? Because it ignores the scandal of the cross and what really happened at the cross. That the cross isn't just about getting a ticket to heaven. The cross is about right now being a holy, cleansed, forgiven, new creation who gets to reflect the glory of God wherever we go. So that's a scandal. Okay, now... What I think is interesting is, uh, let me just illustrate, you know, the difference. It's not just a preposition, prepositional difference, you know, Christ for me or Christ in me. He is both of those, by the way. But, okay, let's just take an athletic contest. Now, I know like Molly, Mary, you girls were college athletes. Of course, that was impossible for me because there were no girls sports. We've come a long way, folks. <laughs> But I've always enjoyed sports. All five of my kids played sports. But just imagine I am in uh, a soccer match. And let's just imagine Christ for me. So Christ is there on the sidelines. He's rooting for me. Go, die. You can do it. Come on. Get there. You know, you get the picture. Oh, but wait a minute. Christ in me? Whoa, suddenly I'm not left to self-effort. I'm not left to my own ability. Now, do I still cooperate? I'm not just some robot. No, no, no. I'm learning to live in union with him, to play in union with Christ, with Christ in me. As a matter of fact, that was all five of my kids who played sports. I said to them, you have a secret weapon. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Doesn't mean you're always going to win, but you have a secret weapon. Okay, that's for the athletes in the room. Anyway, now, that's just a sports analogy. I live in the reality of this tension, Christ for me, Christ in me. So let me give you another story. Um, As a pastor, of course, I have to meet with a lot of people. And I've been doing it for over 40 years. I absolutely hate conflict and confrontation. And it really can make for a pretty miserable life as a pastor. Because you have to deal with a lot of conflict and a lot of confrontation. A lot of difficult conversations. (laughs) Okay, so, I don't say a month ago or so. I mean, this happens, you know, routinely. Um, I get a call, you know, she's angry. She needs to sit down, you know. It needs to have a conversation. And this is what I can feel. My stomach knots. You know, I'm like, no, I... I, Because she's angry. 
It's not going to be easy. Oh, wait a minute. I don't go into that conversation alone. And I'm not just talking about some nebulous, come along, Holy Spirit, see if you can give me a help. No, no, no. I go in knowing the one who has suffered rejection. The one who said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The one who knows how to love the unlovely. I'm in union with them. And does that make the conversation easier? Yes. D- does it make going there easier? Not really. Um, you know, why? Because folks, we live a life of faith. You see, if it was all figured out under control, I got this. Why do you need to trust him? Because when we're weak, he's strong. That's when his grace, you know, multiplies. And so you live in that tension. And, you know, I don't like faith because it's foolish. It's believing things you can't see. It's believing things you can't control. But let's just see. We'll end it with this text, you know. Paul wrote, and I'll just, uh, I won't have time to read this whole text. So this, again, is in Colossians. He's telling us very, very clearly, you know, you were once distant from Jesus, living in the shadows of evil thoughts and actions, and he reconnected you back to himself. One, he released supernatural peace through the sacrifice, big price was paid here, folks, of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so you would dwell in his presence. Yes, Lord. Now there's nothing between you and Father God. He sees you as holy, flawless, restored. You might not see yourself that way. You need to start seeing yourself the way Jesus does. If indeed, how do you live in the reality of this? Here we go. You continue to advance in faith. Faith. Without it, it's impossible to please God. You just have to believe he is, and he's what? A rewarder. (laughs) Never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you've believed in. So, Father, I do ask today, even for a fresh deposit of faith in our hearts, that what you have done, who you are, how you see us, (laughs) would become clearer, more vibrant, more fruitful. And we rest in faith, Lord, and how you, what your word says, as audacious as it can be, Holy Spirit, empower us to live the reality of this truth of Christ in me.